Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm thrilled you're joining us today. For those of you that are new, Alzheimer's Speaks Radio was developed because my own mom lived with dementia for 30 years, and so I wanted to connect people to services, products, and tools, so we are a true talk show. Uh, We're not about uh, sound bites. We want to give you sound news and resources that you can use and Everyone is um, open to being a guest here. So if you have a story to tell, um, you know, or a service product or tool or a need that you've identified in this arena, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. Um, And if you liked our opening song, it's called Clarion. Um, It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, uh, which is local here in Minnesota. And I'm just so honored that they let us use that as our um, music platform for the opening here. I do have a few announcements I want to make. There's a lot of cool things going on. So um, the third annual Moz Awards program just opened up yesterday. They actually give away eight awards, um, three $25,000 awards and five um, $5,000 awards to individuals. The 25 is for organizations. And um, this is for stuff you've already done. So this isn't a grant and something that you have to carve out. They have four different categories, the making connections, cultivating health, supporting care partners, and treating by design. So uh, go to modsawards.org for more information on that. Also, our friends have been working on a documentary film for several years, and it's going to air on PBS April 6th um, at 8 o'clock. But again, that's what the the notice here says. You'll have to check your location for PBS to get the exact time. It's called Determined Fighting Alzheimer's, which follows three women enrolled in a new study to try to prevent Alzheimer's. So again, on PBS, April 6th, Determined Fighting Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. And then since COVID is lifting up here, I am thrilled. I get to do two movie screenings. Uh, One is April 7th. The other is April 8th with the Winona Dementia Friendly Community. And uh, you can find more information out about that on my website, alzheimerspeaks.com. That is free. Uh, Just as I'm going to be doing a virtual program for Artist Senior Living uh, called As the Cookie Crumbles, and I'm going to be talking about how to help the families um, understand and um, the the multi-dynamics of this disease itself and give you a lot of tips and tools that help me through, through my process. I am still uh, continuing to do a virtual 
Memory Cafe, Arthur's Memory Cafe, the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock Central. That's uh, 2 Eastern, Noon Mountain, and 11 Pacific Time. Anyone is welcome to join us. We actually have people all over the world. We have somebody from Vienna and New Jersey, and it's just a, a fun gathering. Um, and then we also do one sponsored by Brookdale North Oaks here in Minnesota. And that is called Caregiver Connect. And we typically meet in person, but we're going to meet one, hopefully one last time virtually this um, Wednesday, the last Wednesday of of this month at 10 a.m. But you can, again, with all of the stuff, you can go to the website and find out more information. We are going to hear from two other organizations, and then we are going to be back to talk about finding help and resources to care. And I'm so excited about having this conversation. So just hang with us because I like to get all the the promo stuff and uh, extra resources out to you first so we can have a, a thorough conversation. Hello, podcast listener. If you're caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's or dementia, you'll want to check out All's Authors, the global community of authors writing about Alzheimer's and dementia from personal experience. We have the most comprehensive collection of hundreds of carefully vetted books and blogs covering all types of dementia and caring situations. Our authors' personal stories and painfully learned lessons can help you on your own journey. We also offer a fabulous podcast called Untangling Alzheimer's and Dementia, which you can find on any of your podcast platforms. Remember, you are not alone. One can sing a lonely song, but we chose to form a choir and create harmony. Find us at allsauthors.com. I love the foot bar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. I love both of those companies, the Adaptive uh, Equipment Corner and uh, also the Footbar Walker. They just uh, have fabulous, fabulous resources, uh, both, as well as the All's Authors. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely want to do that. And I forgot to mention Dementia Map, so make sure that you definitely check that out. Um, Dementia Map is a global resource uh, center where you can not only find service products and tools, 
but there is a calendar of events, a glossary of terms, and and a blog as well. Well, let's get on to our uh, our conversation this afternoon. I am thrilled, like I said, uh, to learn more resources, and today. Uh, I have with us uh, two people from the Southern Caregiver Resource Center, Robert Velasquez, uh, who is the president and CEO, and he has 34 years of experience working in health and human services in the aging field. And over his tenure, he has garnered over $40 million in support for programs for family caregivers of individuals with chronic and disabling conditions with a unique specialty in developing programs targeting the underserved and culturally diverse populations. So, uh, Roberto, I am um, so excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to be here. I um, really appreciate what you're doing um, to um, provide resources and information to families uh, dealing with Alzheimer's uh, disease, which is you know, one of the number one causes of needing a caregiver, uh, which we are a caregiver resource center in San Diego, and we're part of 11 throughout the state of California. So thank you for uh, for having me. Well, and thank you, and I'm sorry if I crucified your name in the beginning, and I think I said Robert instead of Roberto, too, so, boy, I am off my game today, and I really apologize on that very much. Oh, goodness sakes. Well, let me uh, let me introduce your, um, your executive vice president, uh, who is Martha, and I'm going to see if I say her name correctly, Runyon. And uh, she has a background in health and public policy, which has allowed her to really forge relationships and collaborations within community leaders and elected officials, philanthropists, um, in order for you guys to develop, you know, programs and services that benefit the community. And Martha first became involved with the organization while she was taking care of her own uh, mother, who was nine, or her own um 93-year-old great-aunt who had dementia. So, Martha, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Lori. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to talk about all things caregiving. So thank you again. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to start with you, Martha. And I always ask our guests if they have been personally touched by dementia. And I did uh, mention in your intro that you had a a great-aunt. Um, who had dementia? Was she the was she the only one? And how how did that work for your family? Yes, actually. So I think like a lot of caregivers, they find themselves in this situation without even realizing that they're caregivers, right? It's it's my mom. Of course, I'm going to do it. It's my spouse, and that was kind of the case with me. I had my great aunt, so it, she was my grandmother's sister. If you think about. The relationship, right, it's it's so far removed. I wasn't her daughter or her uh, immediate granddaughter or niece. However, I grew up near her. She was like a grandmother. And uh, throughout many years, I saw her and she saw me and we did things together. And so when it came to the point that her health was declining, I stepped in. And mm-hmm. I figured, you know, I can... I need to do something. I don't know exactly what needs to be done, but I'm going to step in and help her. 
And that was really an eye-opening experience, Lori, because I'm sure, as you know, dementia, you know, it just comes in so many forms. Uh, what is the saying that if you meet someone with dementia, you meet someone with dementia? You know, it's, it's so different <laughs> yep. uh, from one person to the next. And so with her, I, I knew she would sometimes forget things, but I didn't realize how bad things were until I became very closely involved. And to the point, you know, that she would forget that she had already taken a shower. And so she's sitting there in the bath, um, in the bathroom, in her robe with the water running, you know, for who knows how long. I remember one time as I went to go visit and thinking, how long has she been sitting out here? You know, just waiting mm-hmm. for the water to, to warm up. And so I started visiting her more and more and more and then realized different things. You know, I would see lots of um, glasses of milk everywhere, everywhere throughout the house. And she had the routine of eating, um, you know, merienda, which part of the culture is, you know, you kind of take a sweet bread towards the end of the day, maybe some warm milk before you go to sleep. And she would just do that and forget. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, you know, there's something amiss here. And I just became more and more involved taking care of her, not realizing that I was a caregiver and that now this was what I was going to do in order to help her. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think it's really interesting when you said not realizing I was a caregiver because that is, that's how it hits everybody when uh, something um, hits your door that you're not familiar with and you jump in to help, but you have no idea what role you're really taking on because it's Mm -hmm. not really labeled. You're a friend, you're a family member, you know, you're professional. You've got, you have all these different roles that we play um, in the world. How Mm -hmm. about you, Roberto? Have you been personally touched in your own family or circle of friends? Yes, you know, this, as I mentioned in in your intro, you know, this is one of the most common causes of dementia and one of the leading causes of needing a a caregiver to help out um, with this disease. And, you know, um, uh, our family not being exempt either from this. um, uh, In the last several years, uh, what's um, uh, occurred is one of our family members has really um, started to show more and more signs of Alzheimer's and now, of course, has a diagnosis of the, of the disease. And the, this family member's um, um, uh, daughter is having to uh, really, really step in. And, um, and then the, the husband is just fully engaged in the caregiving activities. And I'll tell you, it is, uh, it is quite overwhelming uh, because I see this, and of course, I, you know, being the president and CEO of Southern Caregiver Resource Center uh, here in San Diego, um, you know, I, I, I connect them. They have resources, they have services, they even have respite. Um, but it's just such a tactic, and it's, it's interesting, you know, how we, even with all the resources, it's still a very emotional roller coaster, and even to the point where you're just seeing people just exhausted and, you know, crying uh, at the at the first discussion of how are you doing, and then tears just start rolling down the eyes. Um, so, yeah, we've been very involved now with uh, uh, helping and, 
And unfortunately, in this case, it's starting to get to those late stages of the disease. So it's become even very physically taxing um, as well as this individual is now needing help with bathing, toileting, cooking, eating, feeding, uh, everything. Yeah, it, uh, like you said, it, it comes and hits you on so many different levels. It, it just, it kind of surprises you because it does kind of creep up. You kind of get used to it. And then one day all of a sudden something happens to go, oh, we've, we've kind of, we've kind of uh, gone down a step here. And you, you don't even really realize it until something kind of major hits many, many times is what I hear families saying. Roberto, I'm wondering if you can mm-hmm. share with us what the mission of the California Caregiver Resource Center is all about. Yeah, well, uh, so let me let me uh, share with you. Our, our mission is to... Uh, help families and communities master the challenges of caring for adults with cognitive um, impairments as well as with frail older adults. Um, we, we were established in 1984 uh, through, the, um, through the Comprehensive Act for Families and Caregivers of Brain-Impaired Adults, and this was a, a law that was put into place by back then uh, Governor Duke Majin. Uh, back in 1984 when it was passed into law, and it established the caregiver resource centers throughout the state of California. Um, we're the only state that actually offers a caregiver resource center system um, of this type, and uh, in fact, our model of service delivery um, throughout the state has been the, the model that's been used to um, implement best practices for uh, even national programs. For example, the National Family Caregiver Support Program, which is a a federally funded program through the Older Americans Act, uh, Title III-E, is is a program that that provides funding through the administration of community living uh, to all the states uh, in, in the United States to provide these types of family caregiver support programs. So our mission, getting back to our mission, uh, we provide the support services um, that are proven to be able to help families manage or navigate through their caregiver journey. So it includes programs such as uh, an assessment. It's a very comprehensive assessment that actually includes validated um, instruments to help measure depression, loneliness, um, behavioral problems, but they're also uh, related, all of these, um, what I should say, is all of the questions are geared related to the caregiver. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also ask questions about the care recipient, but what we're trying to do is um, identify the priorities of the caregiver, identify their health needs and mental health needs, and then prepare a care plan for them that not only them care for the individual that they're taking care of, but also helps them um, take care of themselves. Self-care is very, very important as a caregiver, as all of you out there who have had this experience, you know, we, we tend to neglect self-care. So one of the main uh, components of a care plan is how are you caring for yourself? Um, so uh, in addition to the care plans, we provide support groups that are 
professionally facilitated by our master's level or LCSW social workers, which we call family consultants. Um, and um, they also provide, we provide a lot of education, a lot of evidence-based training across the state, um, and, um, and, a and counseling, as well as respite services to give those caregivers a much-needed break from caregiving. So those are some of the main programs that we provide, and um, we just serve, you know, thousands of families across the state of California. Okay, great. Martha, anything that you wanted to add to that in terms of your mission? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, when I was talking about being a caregiver, I know that a lot of us who have been in that situation, and, and we talked about that being able to identify ourselves as, as such, we want to make sure that all of your listeners, anyone who is caring for the well-being of someone else, especially if they have Alzheimer's, dementia, memory loss, to reach out. You don't have to do this alone. It is not an easy thing to do. I remember thinking, well, you know, I'm pretty smart. I can figure it out. I can pick up a brochure. I can make a call. I can go online. I've got this, right? I think a lot of us do that. But then once you get into it, you realize that there's this whole emotional aspect of being a caregiver. And you want to wish things, you, you wish that things were different. You want to change things. But that's not the reality. That's not what is happening. And sometimes in, in many cases, the disease takes hold and it gets worse and worse. So what I want to implore your listeners is that they reach out. Don't have to, you know, don't worry about the guilt. Don't worry about, hey, I'm, I'm the one that's expected to be the caregiver. I am the oldest daughter. Or I am the spouse. <laughs> it's okay to seek help, right? It's okay. We are yep. human. And that's why with everything that we do, all of the services that Roberto was just talking about, we offer the component of self-care. You know, Lori, I don't know. I know you, you uh, were caring for your mom, but I know with my mom, she did everything for us. She sacrificed so much for us of her time, of her resources. And I remember looking at her many times and thinking, my mom does not get sick. She is, does never have a cold. You know, she's never tired. <laughs> and, right, I mean, she's super mom. And then now that I am in that situation, right, I am a parent, I realize that it's important to take some time for ourselves. So I am inculcating in my children to make sure that they incorporate self-care, but that also that they see me needing to take a time out. Right, that mm -hmm. mommy needs some five minutes. Mommy needs a break. I need to sit down for a little bit because you and I know, and everybody else, that when we are better taking care of ourselves, we become better caregivers, and that's why we exist. That's why we're here because it is such a difficult and challenging task to care for someone else. Yep, that it is. And I, I love that you're setting that example for your kids because I know I didn't do that. And I, I even see my daughter, you know, she just cares too much for everyone but herself. And and I can mm -hmm. see her exhaustion, her frustration, the whole the whole nine yards. And, and listen, peeps out there, this isn't just dementia related. This is for whoever you are caring for. If you have family, you have friends, you have coworkers, 
all this stuff gets rolled up into the same ball and you know we fall mm-hmm. into the same same habits and so much of the resources um oh, i have found anyways really overlap um quite a bit um martha why don't you talk to us about some of the early warning signs of of alzheimer's and dementia and um you know what what should somebody do if they notice those things Absolutely. We uh, obviously as a caregiver, whether you're a family member or a friend, right, because you don't have to be necessarily related to that individual, uh, you probably know that person best. You know their habits, you know their, their interests, their desires, things that they might have some aversion to, right? And so when you start noticing that those things are changing, uh, that something is amiss, it's good to step in and try to figure it out. What am I talking about? Well, let's say that person used to be very social and engaging in the life of the party, and all of a sudden the person is the total opposite. What is happening, right? That person seems to be forgetting things a lot, um, you know, not easily re- able to recall certain words. Um, things like names of family members, right? Maybe even dents in the car, right? I'm talking about sometimes you look at your parents, for example, and you say, well, they are the strength of our family. They're the glue that keeps everything together. And all of a sudden, you're noticing that their driving habits are really off, right? Maybe mm-hmm. not getting flustered when they come to a, a stop sign or, or, a, or a red light, what do I do now, or which pedal to press. I mean, those are all mm-hmm. indicators that something is, is happening. And so it is important to jot these down and really keep track. And then ask the questions. You know, I noticed that this is happening, what's going on, involving others, and also invo- involving the, the care team, right, the, the physicians, the doctors, maybe accompanying that family member to a, a doctor's appointment and saying, hey, you know what, I'm noticing this about mom. Um, there's going to be some reluctance, i got to admit. It's gonna, there's going to take some getting used to from the caregiver as well as the care receiver, right, because none of us like to change or admit that we're getting old. Um, however, this is a safety issue. That's what I always tell caregivers. It's a safety issue, and you want to make sure that you provide the best environment for everyone. Wonderful. Um, Roberto, anything that you want to add to that? Yeah. uh, uh, Thank you, Martha, for sharing that. You know, one of the things, and and, and I'll just, you know, Martha mentioned at the end, a safety issue. You know, Alzheimer's uh, disease is a a progressive physical degenerative disease of the brain. And just like you would uh, be going to the doctor's office if you were having chest pains, uh, if you were having chronic, you know, can't breathe and you'd go and get checked out or if you're having, you know, symptoms um, related to um, to uh, diabetes as well, you'd go in and, and get the medical workup. Same thing with the, with, with Alzheimer's. It's, it's a physical disease of the brain. And, but there is a lot of, of um, it's very taboo to talk about still among people because, Nobody wants to have begins having those memory lapses, those those signs that you can't make decisions for yourself um, in the future. And and so yeah, it's really important to get a a, a proper diagnostic workup uh, by your provider or get referred by your provider to get a proper workup. 
and the and the the one thing I want to say also is Alzheimer's disease again it's a it's a form of dementia uh, where you're losing your cognitive abilities, memory loss, uh, function, um, um, judgment, poor judgment, things of that nature. But it's not just your typical memory loss, as Martha was saying. It's things that actually affect your ability to do your daily activities that you used to do from from birth, pretty much, you know, uh, you, you know, standing there in front of a, a of a of a stove and not knowing how to turn on or off the 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 pilot uh, the, to cook something when you've cooked all your life. I mean, those are those are really telltale signs that something's going on. There's some there's some disconnect, but it's really important to get that diagnosis because it could be something else causing it. You know, uh, you could um, be suffering from another condition or from diabetes or heart or, or, or you're having some heart problems and they help with that and, and, and your, your, your brain flow, mem- your, you know, your, your blood flow to your brain is, is improves and your, some of these symptoms subside a little bit. Um, it's so, so it's really important to get a diagnosis because uh, a um Alzheimer's disease, again, the most common form of dementia, it it starts really uh, years before you even see any of the clinical signs that we've been talking about. I mean, if you have that disease, it starts sometimes they believe maybe up to 20 years prior because the, the death of cells or neurons are happening at such a slow pace that you don't notice it at the beginning, but after so many years, that's when you start to see the the uh, clinical signs that are, um, you know, memory loss, poor judgment, um, you no longer, uh, t- things taking you much longer to do, which can be confused with normal aging as well. But then you've got the wandering and, and the trouble handling money and repeating questions, and then as the disease progresses, you have even more memory loss and confusion, even inability to speak. And then at the end, you know, you can't even communicate. You can't even um, feed yourself. Uh, you need help with your hygiene. So <clears throat> it's a, it's important to get that diagnosis so that you immediately start to get some assistance. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, Roberto, why don't we talk about defining a family caregiver? You know, when Martha was talking, she, you know, said, and I didn't even know I was one, you know, when it, when her journey started. Um, so how, how do you define it? Well, I'll tell you, um, and this is, a, it's really hard to accept that you're a family caregiver because, as Martha mentioned earlier, you're, you're, you're a friend, you're a family member. You're just helping mom or dad or your spouse if you're older because they're having some difficulties. But the moment you actually start helping with um, uh, arranging medical appointments, the, the uh, uh, helping with transportation, going over and checking in on them to make sure that they're okay, you're already becoming a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, some people confuse being a family caregiver as the one that's doing all the lifting and feeding and cooking and cleaning because that's what, that's what we see in the more advanced stages. But really, it, you, you're, you could be a caregiver if you're helping with their finances, if you're 
if you're um, just going and doing the grocery shopping for them, if you're coordinating transportation or doctor's appointments, if you're uh, arranging the medications. You don't have to specifically live with a person to also already be considered a caregiver. So the caregiver, uh, it's kind of used as a professional term, but it's really, you're a care. I mean, technically, we're all caregivers over a lifetime, right? If you have children, you become a caregiver the minute you have a child. Uh, but but um, but that and, and that kind of holds true for for um, caring for somebody, an older adult. So it could be doesn't have to be that physical in the house, lifting, feeding, and things of that nature. It could be a care. You could be a caregiver if you're just going over and checking on somebody and helping. Uh, um, just to make sure they're okay, you're already a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything that you want to add to that, Martha, about being a family caregiver, how you would define it? Yes. So the way we define it at a Southern Caregiver Resource Center is if you are caring for a, an adult, so someone over 18, that is it has some sort of a traumatic brain injury, some cognitive impairment, then we would be able to help you directly with our services, as well as if you are caring for someone over 60 years old and the person needs additional care with activities of daily living or they are frail and elderly. So if you are in that situation, we can certainly help you through our services free of charge, very extensive and very helpful from um, the perspective of the caregiver. Now, informally, kind of like what Roberto was saying, is a lot of us think, you know, I'm, I'm not really a caregiver. I just go in once a month and I help my, you know, fill in the blank. You're a caregiver. You might be a long-distance caregiver. That's how we define that, right? Maybe you're not 24-7. Um, that would be a full-time caregiver, a part-time caregiver could be maybe once a week, once a month, once a year. We have many caregivers who oftentimes, after I do a class, would come up to me and say, you know, my sister, she's the one that lives with my mom and she takes care of her, so she's the caregiver, not me. And so then I start talking to these uh, you know, individuals and they'll say, well, I go in, uh, I fly into the, their city and I help out every three months every six months, once a year. Well, guess what? That makes you a long distance, and it could also be a part-time caregiver. So really, if you think about it, we are all either have been caregivers, are caregivers, will be caregivers, or we will need caregivers. So it is so important that we start recognizing what, um, what those roles are, how we plan for the care of those roles, and also where we can reach out for assistance. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's not easy, especially with our given responsibilities, right? Think about this. A, the average caregiver in our city is a 49-year-old woman with uh, working at least 20 hours outside the home, probably mm-hmm. with children. That is a lot. You know, those are a lot of jobs that this person holds. And so now you add caregiving, and that is just, uh, you know, a recipe for really being bogged down and overburdened. So we want to make sure that if you are out there, you connect wherever you are, even if it's uh, online. Right now we have the capability, right? Everything's online. 
pick up a brochure, go online, get some information, get some uh, resources, read up on what that disease is going to look like for the person that you are caring for. And so that is all of the caregiver. That is all what we all have collectively um, experienced as caregivers. Even if you don't think you are, you probably are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, I totally, totally agree with you on that. Um, let's talk a little bit um, about the importance of the family caregivers reach, you know, for support, because even in defining it, you know, and I loved your, your definition of, you know, we are, we're going to be, we have been, or we're going to need it ourselves. I think one of the problems is, is we don't, none of us want to be that person who needs help. And that's something I think that we really have to get over too. And when we're caring for somebody, I think we have to think about, Oh, maybe they're a little resistant because I would be too if I was in their place. Mm-hmm. If I felt like my freedoms were being taken away, even though someone's helping me, we don't always see how mm-hmm. we're limiting um, their independence and stuff there. So um, let's dive a little bit deeper into you know that reaching out for support and and you know how you coordinate that for your for your loved one and for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martha, if you want to well, take what that. I, well, we, sure, absolutely. What we encourage caregivers to do is to reach out to us and connect to our services because what we do is we uh, do an assessment on your situation, right? It's about you. How do we help you? And that's so different than what people are used to, right? I am calling for my mom. I am calling for my spouse. And we are saying that's great but how can we support you? And in mm-hmm. doing that, we get a better idea of what your situation is, maybe some of the um, uh, additional resources that you might need down the road. But it's also important because we are able then to connect you to one of our staff members who are professional, you know, master's level clinicians, and they really understand uh, caregiving. And they create a care plan that's specifically tailored to your needs. So, for example, Lori, you know, you mentioned um, uh, Alzheimer's, having the person that you were caring for. Maybe the person that I'm caring for has Parkinson's, which is a little different, but it's still challenging. So then um, creating that care plan, what works for you, what works for your situation, here are some resources that are applicable to, to your family's needs. And so that is wonderful because then you can connect with that person at any time. You might say, hey, um, you know, I think I could really benefit from a support group. Who, where do I go? Uh, who mm-hmm. do I talk to? And so we can, we can do that for you. You know, there are many times when we have family caregivers who say, you know, I just I, I care for my mom part-time, and um, she lives by herself, but she's a little frail, and she's having – a difficult time cooking for herself. And I can't get over there because I'm working and I have all of these other responsibilities, right? That's the reality. And so what we say is, oh, it sounds like you might benefit from, you know, some sort of a um, organization that can create meals and can take them to your mother's home. And therefore you set it up and now you don't have to worry about your mom eating during the day when you're not there. And Mm -hmm. so it's really about finding the, the gaps in creating solutions to help the caregiver 
fill in where they might not be able to because of, uh, you know, just lives and responsibilities and, and really not knowing where to begin, right? I When I was a caregiver, I didn't know where to begin. I remember I used to call Roberto and be like, okay, what do I do? Who, who do I talk to? Um, and he actually said, you need to become a client of ours. And that's actually how I started. I became a client of Southern Caregiver Research Center, even though I thought I could figure this out by myself, Lori. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, I wasn't able to fully do that. And, and I became a client. And I got all of the wonderful help and connection to resources that I didn't even know existed. But what was really wonderful is having that person that guided me throughout the whole experience. You know, yeah. that could reach out to me that when I was kind of losing my myself, that they would say, okay, well, let's talk about this. Let's get some counseling going. Let's get some support groups. Let's, you know, it sounds like you could benefit from this fact sheet and learn more about the disease. And it is really nice because sometimes family members, they mean well, but they might not be fully aware of, on mm-hmm. how to help. Yep. Very, very true. And you know, it's just nice to have somebody kind of reach across the aisle and say, you're invited in, you're welcome, this is okay, we gotcha. And mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we we don't even want to hear those words because then we have to admit there's a problem and that we're not in control. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think some are just, some people just get really in that denial mode. And I think we all go through it at one point or another. And then you kind of, you, you cross that line and go, it's not so scary. This is really nice. It's kind of soft and cushy. I can be myself. I can laugh. I can cry. I can, I can, you know, get out all my emotions and they don't run from me. They, they understand me. And I think we're so fearful of that. You know, I I know that a lot of, uh, I'm sorry. I, I know that there are a lot of people who have heard the, um, you know, the metaphor of the of the oxygen mask, right? Mm-hmm. You're on an airplane, changing cabin pressure, the pilot comes on and says, put on your mask and then help the person that you're traveling with. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, we have to put on that mask ourselves. We have to help ourselves so that we can be the best caregivers possible. And we cannot do that if we're running on empty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that's so true, so true. Um, Roberto, anything you, you want to add on that? Yeah, um, yes, thank you. So I think one of the really important things for a family member who now finds himself as a caregiver um, to know is that when you reach out to uh, an organization such as Southern Caregiver Resource Center here in San Diego or one of the caregiver resource centers, uh, in the state of California, you don't have to go in and get all the services all at once. We have mm-hmm. a revolving door that really can help you at the time of need that you need it. So we have a lot of people who might get our information and say, well, I'm going to call and find out more about the disease. So I just want some fact sheets. So they'll mm-hmm. call our office, they'll talk to somebody, they'll get some fact sheets on Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or or strokes and things of that nature, head trauma, things that 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 uh, that might that they might be dealing with um, with their loved one. But that's all they need. And then they say, okay, thank you very much, and they got their information. But they have our contact information. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, with Alzheimer's and many of these chronic debilitating diseases, things change, and they change over time. 
and there might be just a need for something at the beginning, and then later on you're calling and you're saying, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I can't handle this anymore. My loved one is wandering. My loved one is repeating, and it's driving me crazy. I um, can't afford to be a caregiver anymore. I need some help in the home, uh, you know, mm-hmm. or or I have to go back to work. I mean, there's different situations that change over the time um, that impact the family member who's providing the majority of the care. So yeah. at, at the caregiver resource centers, what we do is we help you where you are at that time. So if you come in and uh, you all you need is a, a sheet of paper that explains something, that's what we give you. If you come in and you say, I really want to take advantage of, you know, of your full services, then we can do the whole assessment and care plan and, 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 and work with you on an ongoing basis. And guess what? We don't close our cases uh, mm-hmm. unless you tell us to. But even if you tell us to that you don't no longer need our service, you can always come back and we'll get it reopened. But we mm-hmm. leave it up to the family caregiver um, to decide um, if they want to continue on with the with the cases or with with our with our with our services, or if they just want to close out, and sometimes they close out by just not you know being responsive anymore. Others they close out because maybe their family member passed away, or they ended up having to decide to make you know place that individual. But mm-hmm. even then, some family caregivers still stay coming to our support groups. Um, and other emotional support because it's still, even if they're not physically taking care of that individual, they are still emotionally involved or still checking up on them or still doing other things so we can provide other types of services for them. But the bottom line is that that you you can access services at pretty much any stage and then get really into them later on as the disease progresses. In fact, Mm -hmm. one of the things I was going to share with you, Lori, is that the Caregiver Resource Center clients, Mm -hmm. about 60% of them uh, come back. They're repeaters. Mm -hmm. So they come in, they get something, they get a service, um, then they say, you know what, we're good. We're good now. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then they come back. And they come back and they say, you know, know, uh, two years ago I said I was okay and, you know, mom's condition has really changed and and, and, and they get reconnected, and, and, and now they have a different level of services. The other thing I was going to mention is that our, our data shows that the family caregivers that come to the caregiver resource centers, pretty dire situation as far as the, 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 the medical tasks that they provide in the home. I mean, you're talking about feeding, bathing, medication management. You're talking about um, 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 constant supervision. All of these medical tasks that we are pro- that they're providing um, to their loved one would, if they weren't there, they would be in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. So and so the services that we help them with, that we connect them to, the care plans that we develop for them how we train them how to deal with different situations is mm-hmm. incredibly important because it helps them keep their loved one at home. But sometimes the decision is made that, you know what, I can't do it at home anymore, and we work with them to help them understand that that's okay too. Mm-hmm. That that's okay too, that you don't, you know, don't, 
you've got to make sure that you're providing care um, to, that is at the best level and the safety of that individual as yourself as well mm-hmm. because things change and, and there's no guilt with saying, at, you know what, at this point, I can't do this anymore. And we help you work through it so that you can make the appropriate decision. And that includes placement. We, you know, we provide that support and counseling as well. That's mm-hmm. one thing that you'll find with um, our services is that our family consultants are so well-trained. First of all, they're master's level um, across the state pretty much. And then um, most majority of them are either working on their licensed clinical social worker or they are already licensed clinical social workers. So they're very, very experienced in working with family members. So they're very empathetic as well as very skilled and trained on, on, on different techniques that they can teach a family caregiver as well as the resources that are out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, Martha, anything that you wanted to add to that at all? Yes, I am just hoping that whoever is out there listening that finds themselves uh, as a caregiver, we understand that it is not easy, but that you mean well, right? I think all caregivers are wanting to do their best, um, trying to figure out the best way to support their loved ones. And sometimes it takes some some learning. Sometimes it takes some flexibility and adjusting. And it's okay. It is okay. I, you know, the biggest thing that we talk about sometimes with caregivers is letting go of that guilt, mm-hmm. letting go of that hesitancy to be human. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I call it the, the super caregiver. You know, they walk around, all of us, me, myself, you know, I was guilty of that, thinking we got to do it all. And that's where we need to learn that we don't have to do it all, that we can ask for help, that we can change our habits. I remember, you know, with my aunt, um, she was very reluctant to shower. And, um, you know, I was thinking, well, you need to shower. It's every day you need to shower. And then, of course, I learned that, which is not like playing soccer, you know, out in the field or, or taking jogs around the block and, you know, I could probably do without needing to shower her every day. And so it, it kind of just eased the comfort for her because it was such an ordeal to get her to shower on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And so little things like that, right, that you learn from others. Learning from others is so important. That's why I'm so glad that you uh, invited us to your program here because I'm hoping that um, other caregivers are learning from others as well. Support groups are great for that. Um, little tips, little resources, but really, again, letting go of that guilt, recognizing that we are human and that we can adjust. And even though we cannot have the same relationship with that family member because of dementia, let's say, or memory loss or Alzheimer's, and really get to know that person in a different light. Um, mm-hmm. With my aunt, of course, you know, I kind of wish that she didn't have to go through that and, you know, would miss the the relationship that we had. And she looked at me as a stranger, right, the strange woman that would always you know, ask her to change and eat and shower. And she remembered me as her little niece that would go and and visit. And so I thought, okay, so then maybe I need to really think about this relationship and start a new one with her, one Mm -hmm. that makes sense for her. And so then really to be able to 
to do that as caregivers, it's important because then what I got out of that new relationship, quote unquote, was a, a really great time where we created new memories. I learned mm-hmm. a lot about her. I, I, you know, she told me stories that I didn't, I didn't even know about my family. Uh, some were good. Some were, uh, I had no idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was a new relationship that I, I developed with her because I was able to let go of what I was expecting her to be like. And that is always really difficult. We, as caregivers, don't want things to change. We want things the same. And we have to recognize that it is changing. They are having a, a new experience. So then let's make it the best in this new light. Um, that would be the biggest uh, takeaway that I got from being a caregiver of someone with uh, memory loss and dementia. Okay, great. Well, I can't believe we only have like seven minutes left, and I want to talk, um, I want to make sure that we talk about um, people who live outside of California, you know, where can they mm-hmm. get support as well, and then we can come back and, and bullet specific services that you guys offer again. So, Martha, if you don't mind kind of continuing with, you know, if if people are looking for services, you know, where do you suggest um, they get support? Yes. Can can I answer that, Lori? Lori? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Martha. Go ahead. I wanted to kind of jump in on there, if you don't mind, Martha, and then you can follow me. Yeah. Sure. So, um, on a national level, there are uh, a number of resources, and you, the, the, one of the main sites I think that is really important for people to go uh, is to go to the Administration for Community Living website. Again, Administration for Community Living, and um, it's also uh, the acronym is ACL, and um, in there they list a number of resources. Uh, that that are available. These are national resources. So one of the one of the biggest programs uh, uh, nationally is the National Family Caregiver Support Program, um, and that is funded through ACL uh, through money that comes out of the Older Americans Act, and um, and that is the program that goes out. Every state gets um, gets a, a funding for it. Every state in the United States gets funding for the Family Caregiver Support Program. And so, therefore, um, you, um, you can look it up and look at your state and see who in what area of the county that you might live in um, provides that the Family Caregiver Support Program uh, in your state. And um, that's, a, that's a really important uh, resource. Then you also have the Family Caregiver Alliance, uh, which is the National Center for Care on Caregiving. Um, so it's also SCA, but it's the National Center on Caregiving. And then, of course, you have the National Alliance for Caregiving, another um, statewide uh, organization. You have this uh, a great place called Elder Care Locator that helps you find uh, resources and places to like residential type places and services. You have the Caregiver Action Network. That's another um, really great uh, system of listing of different agencies that provide support for caregiving. Uh, there's one in San Diego. Martha, you belong to some of you go to some of these uh, local Caregiver Action Network programs locally. 
And um, and 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 then of course getting back to our state, we have the CaregiverCalifornia.org, uh, which is all the caregiver resource centers. And then locally, we have STRC.care, which is our San Diego Imperial County Resource Center. So. Um, there's there, so there's there's quite a few things to look at, and I'm sure if you Google or look up more things, you can find uh, different programs that they have for family caregivers throughout the country, outside of the state of California. Okay, and Great. what I want to add to what to what Roberto's saying is that right now with the capabilities of being online and connecting via, yes. you know, different online platforms, you could easily go to scrc.care. That's our website, scrc.care, and you can get all kinds of resources. We do a lot of uh, live stream videos. We have a podcast. We have a whole platform that we call I Care Portal. And so as caregivers, even if you live in another state, you can click on some of these links and learn a little bit more about uh, caregiving, some tips, some suggestions, how to manage some of those difficult behaviors. And it's all there at your fingertips uh, at, any, at any point during the day you can access those. So that's also quite the advantage that uh, a lot of caregivers have nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The virtual connection and the internet is fabulous. We just need to get more um, more connection available and technology available to families to be able to tap into. Uh, that has been definitely right. used, especially through through COVID. Um, I do want to mention your website, um, caregivercalifornia.org. That's caregivercalifornia.org. Or you can also go to caregiver.org, um, and that is, uh, you know, one of the resources for anywhere in the U.S. And I'll just throw another little plug-in for Dementia Maps, who has a lot of great resources out there as well. Do you guys do caregiving coaching at all? Um, yeah, yes, we, we do mm-hmm. from the standpoint of our family consultants. Our family consultants work with individual family members. And so they're they they're the ones that help them develop the care plan and everything else. But as um, as situations change, I mean the family consultant is basically their caregiver coach. They're helping mm-hmm. them navigate all the changes that are going on. So they do a lot of coaching. And, okay. and I know that Martha Martha runs a, a a great educational program. And as she was mentioning, so many of them are online now, so you can access them from anywhere in the world. Okay, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to wrap up here. We could talk with you guys all day. I so appreciate the work that you're doing and taking the time to share with us today. Um, it's really been just uh, wonderful to see and hear all the work that you do. And again, you can go to their website at caregivercalifornia.org or nationally, uh, caregiver.org. Thank you all for being part and listening. Please like, click, and share. Don't keep these nuggets to yourself. We have to raise one another up and support one another and connect each other to wonderful services, products, and tools. So, again, have a wonderful week, and um, thanks for supporting Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, everyone. Bye now.
Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.